and welcome to Breitbart News Daily. Busy show today. We had AWR Hawkins on to talk about the oral arguments that took place yesterday in the Supreme Court about bump stocks. Senator Ron Johnson talking about Mitch McConnell leaving in November, though. Dr. Sebastian Gorka about Trump's CPAC speech, where he talked about how we are a captive nation and he is a dissident, which is brilliant. And it was great to talk to Dr. Cork about all that and what that means. Talked about China there as well. And then Congressman Andy Biggs talked about Biden's, Hunter Biden's closed door deposition yesterday. So goodness, what do we, what do we do? What do we do? Um, we decided to put here AWR Hawkins. I think that's important and good to know. And I just like AWR. And uh, I always try to make him giggle. And that, <laughs> he's got a great. He's he just objectively has a great giggle, but then when you when it's the giggle compared to his normal speaking voice, that that contrast it's a it's a wonderful thing. So we'll uh, give you his and um, the Ron Johnson Senator Ron Johnson interview is probably going to be on Breitbart.com somewhere. So, so if you want to hear him, you can put that there. Or if you subscribe to SiriusXM, you can listen to the whole thing whenever you want. Um, all right, but I want to play for you here the first segment we did. We talk a little bit about Mitch, but then we got into the mayor of Athens, Georgia. And we're doing the best we can to find the guy who was yelling at him because I can't. I, I got to talk to that guy. It's Thursday. It's the best day of the week, and it is a leap day. It's like a fake day today. So happy leap day. Producer Zach just told me that the last leap day, four years ago, we didn't know what a COVID was. Think about that. The last leap day, I think it was, it was probably right about now, right about end of February, my buddy texted me about something going on in China. And I told I should go back and find it. It was a group text. I said, oh, it's nothing to worry about. They don't have toilet paper in China. <laughs> that was my first one. It's like China's a disgusting country. They don't even have toilet paper. Anyway, now we know what a COVID is. How much has changed in four years? We played a, uh, did I mention this yesterday? No, I didn't mention it yesterday because it didn't happen until last night. Um, we recorded a special on the first TV where we simulcast this show, the second two hours of it. Uh, we uh, recorded a special on Kamala Harris, President Kamala Harris. Last week, we did a special on Michelle Obama. That's this week, uh, Kamala Harris. Because she could be president any moment. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen today. Biden could have a stroke. Boom, that's it. And then who's president? It doesn't, it doesn't skip over to Michelle Obama. That goes right to Kamala. So we need to know Kamala. So we played a clip of Kamala in the debate where she said, I, uh, and what, there was a girl who was on a bus, and I was that, or that girl was me. Remember that clip? And Biden looked really good. Biden looked like, like great, and he was he still had a, a pep in his step, and he was still feisty and fought back, and that was a long time ago, four years. Uh, anyway, the big, speaking of old, the big political news is Mitch McConnell is stepping down later. <laughs> stepping down in like eight months. He's 82. Mitch and his medical episodes. Oh, the media is so good. They're so good. The man has a stroke on live TV. You've seen it. You've seen it with your own eyes. In the middle of being, of, of being asked questions, he just stands still and looks out in the distance for a, like a while, like <laughs> many seconds. And the media calls it, oh, oh, 
a medical episode. It was a stroke. He had a stroke. Oh, come on. Medical episode. I have a sore throat right now. That's a medical episode. <laughs> I have a stroke. Twice. It happened twice. And he's still on the job. It's amazing. So, of course, he's got to go. But at this point, he's 82. Like, he's 82 and he's saying, I'm, I'm going to leave in November. No, man, you got to go now. Like, right? No, you had to go like years ago. He did this, uh, I don't have it in front of me. He had this, uh, this line where he's like, oh, it's the, it's the great uh, political wisdom of life, knowing when to hang it up or something. It's like, bitch, bitch, like, like at best a year ago. If not, probably three years ago would have been a good time to hang it up. You're 82. Anyway, here's Trump uh, when Boyle interviewed him about uh, Mitch because he fell. He fell back in March, and and then in July he had his his medical episode. My old little spinny wheel. Come on, spinny wheel. I'm the one sick, not you. Here we go. Well, I thought it was sad. At the same time, uh, I think it's a shame that he went so far out to give Green Deal money to Biden and the Democrats, you know, he got 10 people to vote because they needed 10 people. And he got 10 people to vote on numerous occasions for trillions of dollars. And I think that's a shame. But that was too bad. That was actually a sad thing to see. He had a bad fall, I guess, and uh, probably after effect of that. But uh, it was also sad that he gave trillions and trillions and trillions (laughs) of dollars to the Democrats to waste on the Green New Deal. And destroying our oceans and destroying our great beautiful vistas and plains all over our country with windmills that, you know, are very expensive energy. Um, So that's a very sad thing also. Do you want to see a new Republican leader in the U.S. Senate? Do you want to see McConnell step aside? No, we have to have that. We need, and we have some people in the Senate that are fantastic, would be great at that position, but uh, it's just amazing that he would do that. At the same time, I hope he's well. (laughs) It's great. A lot of people are critical of him. Like, hey, you were asked about his health, and you ended up talking about how he was a terrible uh, sellout for the Green New Deal. It's like, yeah, that's it. He is. So the one thing, I'm sure there's other things. Listen, you know when someone dies, everyone feels this pressure to say something nice about him, no matter how horrible of a person. So in in Mitch's political death, I, I, I raise a glass to, I'm actually holding a glass right now. I don't drink water during it, but I got a nice hot, hot water. People are like, oh, you should drink some tea. I think tea is terrible. The tea is like disgusting. Why, I, why would I want to drink like this brown? Ugh, like, tea's awful. So I just have hot water. That's, just, that's, just, that's the point. Of it. That's all tea is. That's the good part of tea is the hot water part. Anyway, I'm holding a glass. So I raise a glass to Mitch McConnell for not putting through Obama's Supreme Court nomination, who was the very moderate Merrick Garland, and we see how he is now as Attorney General. So Mitch, when when Merrick Garland was put up, Mitch was like, mm, "I think we'll wait. <laughs> I think we'll wait uh, like a year until uh, we see what happens in the 2016 election." And we got Gorsuch instead. So that was a firm stance from Mitch. We'll give him credit there, but uh, but goodness, not much else to celebrate. Glad to see him go. Now, hate to be a Debbie Downer this early in the morning, uh, but keep in mind that whoever's next could be worse. So we can celebrate that he's gone, but there's no guarantee 
that we're going to get someone to lead the Republicans in the Senate who's more conservative, or even if we do get someone who's conservative, like Mike Johnson in the in the in the House, there's it's more you need more to be a Senate leader than just ideology. You got to be there's all these skill sets that go along with being a Senate leader. So you can be a very conservative person, but you're just not good at being the, the Senate leader. And you're going to have Chuck Schumer roll you all day. So, like, is that good? I don't know. Maybe the devil that you know with Mitch McConnell is better. Or it's, I, 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 now we get John Thune. Yay, Mitch McConnell's gone. So we get Thune? <laughs> like, I don't That's <laughs> like lateral move at best. So we got Ron Johnson, senator from Wisconsin, who would be great, right? Like ideologically, you'd want Ron Johnson, but I don't know if Ron Johnson has the skill sets that are needed to be um, a senate leader. But anyway, that's what I mean. So we got Ron Johnson coming up at seven forty-five to uh, to talk about that. All right, we got to get to this news here. So have you seen this Athens mayor, the mayor of Athens? <laughs> oh baby, this is fantastic. So uh, Athens, Georgia. This is where the University of Georgia is, college town. The city, therefore, Democrat mayor. The mayor is a Democrat. Kelly Gertz, a guy. And he's doing a press conference. The University of Georgia, this is where the 22-year-old was, was murdered by the illegal immigrant. Okay, So here is the, uh, here's the mayor at a press conference. The expectation of human dignity. Okay, wait, sorry. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> okay. Is this going to go in the direction I think it is? Is this mayor getting up there at a press conference, a police press conference, talking about the human dignity of illegal immigrants? Is that what we're going to do here? Are we going to have another lecture about the spark of divinity in every person? Do I need to hear that again? Remember when Trump, I distinctly remember this, like the visual of this for some reason. I don't have the best memory, but for some reason, some things I have like like vivid memory. So I distinctly remember he's he's on the side of a long table doing this press conference thing, and uh, he called MS thirteen gang members animals. Called them animals, and Nancy Pelosi did this phony baloney. These people are not animals; they're human beings. Does Trump not believe in the spark of divinity? And the dignity and worth of every person. Horrific. He would call humans animals. This is like the Holocaust, right? Did like this whole thing, right? This illegal immigrant, who, by the way, was arrested for child endangerment while in Queens with his five-year-old, left his family, it seems, because he was with his brother. And we don't hear anything about the five-year-old and the wife now. So abandoned his family, I guess. I don't know, not sure. Went on to murder a, y- a young woman, a random young woman, beat her on the head, then disfigured her skull. That's how horrific of a murder this was. He disfigured her skull. And here we are talking about dignity. We're talking about the day. De- we're going to get lectured here. It's a two-minute clip. This is the very beginning. We're going to get lectured here about the dignity of illegal immigrants. Specifically this guy, I guess. The one who disfigured a a random nursing student's skull. Surely not. Surely not. This is a Tell me this is not a lesson on dignity. Is the expectation of human dignity. While 2019 was not that long ago, you might remember the dynamic we were living in 
in the late teens in this country where you had the President of the United States speaking in the most vile terms about people who were foreign born. And you had that notion oh, metastasizing in places like Charlottesville. Uh, by the way, producer Zach, and this this is going across the radio, okay? Because I only got it coming through one, uh, one channel for some reason. Does it sound okay? Can you hear it over the radio? Okay, good. Uh, so this is great. Guy brings up Charlottesville. Are you kidding me? The mayor of Athens brings up first of all brings up Donald Trump, <laughs> and then brings up Charlottesville. We're talking about Charlottesville. The Democrat mayor of Athens talking about Charlottesville. Right up there with the biggest hoaxes of our lifetimes. This mayor is going to talk about Charlottesville. Good on those people at the press conference for laughing in his face. This is good. This is how you should respond to people lying to you. In places like Charlottesville. That laugh is perfect. That's a good response to have when someone lies to you. You laugh at them. You laugh at them in their face. So there's uh, a guy and a gal in the audience. I don't know how they got into the the press conference room, but let's hear what uh, let's hear what this guy has to say here. When I was younger, so I have... was a criminal, and you know what I thought about doing? Crossing the border to Mexico to get away from my crimes. Son, I'm going to ask you to leave. Jesus Christ. He saved me, and I no longer live that lawless life, I'm, which you do. Son, I'm going to ask you, you to leave. You are lawless, Mr. Mayor. I'd be glad to schedule some time with you if you'd like some individual time. Yeah, I'd like to spend some time with you. Let's do that, but I, got, I need to continue. I got a question. I, I, sorry. I went to so, are, are you going to assume that the resolution is that still in place? Is that, is, does that give the impression that this is a sanctuary city? What? Okay, that last line there is, uh, does this give the impression that we're a sanctuary city? That was that line there. Even though we can't call it that under Georgia law. But how about that line, right? Uh, let me play one more clip, then we'll break that down. You can't call it that under Georgia law? What we wish to do is dignify everybody's humanity. There's nothing you in that know, resolution. No. That's <laughs> so good from this guy. No, 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 no. No, that's not the wall. You, you took your note to uphold the law, not your feelings or nor your opinion. Chief, I'm you never you this. No, sir. You're talking BS to us right now. Uh, and that guy's just right. That guy's just right. Okay, so his point a couple seconds ago is back. He's like, I was a criminal back in the day, and I thought about leaving to go to Mexico. Of course. Of course, the thing we've, like, that's, a, that's a thing, right? You, you break the law here, and you see if you can make it across and get to Tijuana. And you go live there instead. It's just the other way around. People in Venezuela, they want to get away from the, the law, so they move to America. We, we got a story we'll talk about coming up later in Bloomberg where crime, I think, no, I think violent crime, specifically violent crime and murders, are down to a 22-year low. And this Bloomberg article, this report, talks about that's because all the criminals migrated. It doesn't say where. It just says they migrated. They're like, hmm, I wonder where they went. Better warn Chile. Better tell Chile that, uh, that all the, the criminals left Venezuela. Better warn Nicaragua. Where'd they all go? Why is crime now so low in Venezuela?
They stuck. They stuck out. They got. They came here. Of course. The uh, head of the Border Patrol, he posted yesterday that in the last 72 hours, Border Patrol agents throughout the southwest border have apprehended 11 individuals with violent criminal histories. Their criminal histories include child molestation, aggravated assault, rape, murder, and the trafficking of firearms. That's 11 in the last three days in one section of the border. Okay. So yeah, this guy, when he was a criminal earlier, Thought about leaving to Mexico, just like people in Venezuela, as they commit crimes there, come to America. And they come here and they commit more crime. Back on February 8th, a mother and her two-year-old were walking in Langley Park. It's a Hispanic part outside D.C. And there was a, a, some sort of shooting, and it was a gang shooting or some sort of shooting, and the two-year-old was shot and killed. Police have arrested five people including a 15-year-old and a 16-year-old, and two other men who were driving a stolen vehicle. But we'll never know the immigration status of the 15- and 16-year-old. These unaccompanied minors, dreamers. And uh, we arrested a fifth guy, a national from El Salvador. And he said, well, Slater, how are we to know that this guy would go on to commit a crime. How can you know? Well, he came here illegally, but also on November 7th of 2022, the Department of Justice immigration judge in Newark, New Jersey, ordered his removal from the United States. He was arrested March 21st, 2023. Tremendous, fantastic, perfect. We found him, got him. And I said uh, to the police department, hey, hang on to him for us. We're coming, we're gonna go get him. And the police refused and he was released. It was March 21st, uh, 2023. Not but. uh, Last September. Last September. He was arrested again for theft. And I said, hey, can you hang on to him for us, please? And they released him again. It was four months ago. They released him for a second time. Four months later, he murders a two-year-old. But whatever, spark of divinity and such. Don't you, do, don't you understand the spark of divinity that's in every single murderous El Salvadorian national? Do you not recognize their spark of divinity? The local news in D.C. Uh, called this person, the, the El Salvadorian guy, uh, someone who was unlawfully present. Isn't that great? He's unlawfully present here in America. People who commit crimes want to flee to a different country, and they know they can come to America, the land of the free, and they know they can commit more crimes and more crimes and more crimes. Maybe if you commit murder, we'll draw a line there and arrest you. But but just maybe. By the way, only half of murders are ever ever ended up in arrest. Only half of them. Just, even if you commit murder, you got a 50-50 shot that you won't get arrested just by the nature of our justice system at all. So pretty good odds that you can come to America and just commit a ton of crime. 
So I love it. I love this press conference. This mayor's up there. Oh, the, we, we recognize the dignity and humanity. And the guy out there's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no, nice try. Nice try. One last clip here. Let's start here. Well, that was not well, nice to me. What, what we, we wish to do. Right to speak. This is America still. What we wish to do. Okay. All right. Is to understand. Is to understand that those families that are here came here under less than ideal circumstances. I've outlined my desire for federal, better federal legislation that would standardize the immigration process. We've not been living in that environment. I mentioned I was a career educator. I've worked with a lot of students and their families in this community. And the practical reality is that those families tend to be blended amongst a variety of immigration statuses. We want to create a stable environment for people in our communities. And when that community is disrupted by hate or vitriol, that's not a safe environment for their school children and their families to live in. Which community? Which community? Because there's not a lot of stability at the University of Georgia community. There's not a lot of stability in Lakin's family and her community. Stability in the community. Oh, I think the guy yells one more thing. Environment. For their school children and their families to live in. Called righteous indignation, sir. Oh, yeah. <laughs> righteous indignation. There's no hate. By the way, I love how he says um, they're here in less than ideal circumstances. That's the new buzzword for illegally, I guess. There's no hate. I hate the murderer. But the people who are here illegally, I don't hate them. I get it. Like, I get it why you want to be here. I, I get it why you want to be here if you were a criminal in a different country or if you just want to be here because America is great. I get it. We have toilet paper. China doesn't have toilet paper. Remember, like, there's a lot of reasons why America's great. Stop characterizing this as hate. You can't be here. You're here illegally. That's not hateful. It's just the reality. What a trick, right? What a trick. Hey, this person over here, they're, they're breaking the law, don't you know? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop hating. I'm not hating. I'm just, <laughs> he broke the law. Whoa. You're hating. Let him keep breaking it. Stop with the hate. Oh, he just, he, wait, look, look, we, she, she, he murdered a woman. Whoa, whoa. Why are you hating the community? Don't, don't cause any disturbance in the community. What community? <laughs> His community? The one that, the break in the law community? Because he's caused quite a disturbance in my community. I don't hate. Good night. What, what laws can I commit? What laws can I break? Well, not what laws. What crimes can I commit? What crimes can I commit? What laws can I break in the name of uh, stop hating me? <laughs> That's so good. Starts with language. Starts with language. An illegal migrant, or my migrant as we hear today, is not an undocumented migrant any more than a shoplifter is an informal customer or a burglar is an undocumented guest. But know that there is no crime, there's no crime horrific enough that the left will not turn a blind eye to it. This is what's crazy. There's nothing. like this. If you ever got this illusion, and I had it too, of course, 
oh, eventually they'll wake up. No. They will not. You will not wake up. One of the most difficult, people will not wake up. One of the most difficult things to do in the world is for someone to change their mind. I wrote a quick little pamphlet about it. It's called How to Change Someone's Mind. And, and the whole, like most of the book is how it's almost impossible. It is almost, it's, very, it's a very unsatisfying book. That's why I almost never talk about it. It's, it's almost impossible to change someone's mind. You can have, if, you, if you're, there's someone who, like this guy, who is talking about un, undocumented people, whatever. He could be the mayor of a city where one of these illegal immigrants crushes the skull of another one of his residents, citizen, and still will not change his mind on this issue. Okay? There is no, oh, one day or something bad enough will happen. That does not exist. That's why yesterday we shared the story of the emperor who has no clothes or the emperor's new clothes. Because the end of the story, the child, the child versions of the story, at the end of it, uh, when everyone realizes, it takes the little kid, by the way, takes the little kid to say, oh, he's not wearing any clothes. Uh, in the kid version, he runs away in shame. The king's like, oh, no, I am. And then he runs out. In the Hans Christian Andersen, the original version, 150 years ago, the king's like, well, the procession must go on. And he stands up even taller and prouder. And, gets a, and all the king's men continue to hold his, his train that doesn't even exist. Like, they, like, it doesn't matter if you expose them. It doesn't matter what horrific thing happens. They'll never change their mind. The most blatant example, I think, of the illegal immigration in this country is the child sex ring in Rotherham, England. R-O-T-H-E-R-H-A-M or something. Rotherham, England. Just look up Rotherham, England child sex ring. And it'll pop up. And it was this massive, massive, huge, enormous, like thousands of kids over decades run by Pakistani men. And police knew about it. Police knew about it for decades. And they did nothing because they didn't want to be accused of being racist. So they let, they let, like, that's how far it will go. What we think is the most horrific of crimes, child abuse. We will still tur- we'll turn a blind eye to that because we don't want to be accused of, of being racist. Because we want to see the spark of divinity in everyone, whatever. Isn't that amazing? So, like, you can only just win elections. Like, that's it. Like, that, there's no, you can't convince these people. There's no working with these people. There's no finding common ground with these people. You could be the mayor of a city and get one of your citizens, one of your residents, get their head bashed in. And you're still out there talking about how you don't want to disrupt the community. There's nothing that will change that guy's mind. Nothing. And it's because he's part of a, uh, when, you, when you're in a group, you, you, can, you can't leave your group. You feel like the, like the group identity, the tribal group allegiance is so strong. It's hard to leave that because then you feel like you're going to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. It's all in the book. But it's, it's very, very hard to get someone to change their mind. And that's where you get this nonsense. So good on that person in the, in the audio. We got to find that guy laughing at him. (laughs) 
Here's AWR Hawkins. I don't think in the opening segment, the portion of this, I don't think I said the reason why we had him on, and I apologize. I, I, I missed the sense of urgency for this. Yesterday, the Supreme Court heard oral, oral arguments about the bump stock and should the bump stock be banned or not. AWR Hawkins is here, the Breitbart Second Amendment correspondent. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Mike. Great to be with you. Thank you for joining us. So we, uh, we have a Supreme Court case about guns. I had a choice here, AWR. We could go with Ken Klukowski, our Supreme Court expert, or AWR Hawkins, our, our gun expert. And I, th- I think we had to get the gun side here. I wanted to get more of a technical analysis, but I know you can also handle the, uh, the uh, Supreme Court side. I know Ken knows his guns too, so I, we could have gone either way. But I'm grateful you're here. Tell me about the bump stock. Right. Well, the bump stock uh, started ground zero. The bump stock is a piece of plastic that you put <clears throat> on the rear of your AR. You can do it on an AK-47 too, but you put it on, and uh, and what it does is it uses the recoil of the gun to help you fire the next shot. It does not convert the gun into anything that it isn't already. In other words, it still only fires one round per trigger pull, period. But with the bump stock, the recoil is aiding you in the next trigger pull, so you end up doing it faster. And it's, it's basically a novelty, to be honest with you, but uh, they were wildly popular. They were banned by the ATF, uh, I believe, in 2018. And uh, Mike Cargill out of uh, um, uh, Central Texas Gunworks, he is the store owner, he filed suit against the ATF over the ban. The Fifth Circuit sided with him last year. Uh, the U.S. government appealed that ruling, and now it's before the Supreme Court. And this is a massive case because the language the ATF used in the bump stock ban is eerily similar to the language they've used in four or five other bans since. So if this one is struck, uh, they're all in they're all in mortal danger. Ooh, okay. How? Give me a little more on that one. Take me down that road. All right, let me do this. Uh, as I say, a bump stock's a piece of plastic. It was important that I started that way. Literally, a bump stock does not have a trigger. It does not have a barrel. It does not have an action. It cannot be loaded. It is a piece of plastic. It's like a shroud that goes over your rear stock. And uh, it has a little lip on it that goes up near your trigger. And it uses recoil to help you pull the trigger. That's all it does. But the ATF defined it as a machine gun in order to reclassify it and put it under new gun controls. So they say this piece of plastic is a machine gun, even though it doesn't have a barrel and so on and so forth. See, what they've done since then, they've said gun parts, 80% 80 complete gun parts are firearms. They've said that in another rule. And they did that to require gun owners to have to go through a background check to buy gun parts. In another rule, they said that if you put a stabilizer brace on a pistol, that pistol is now a rifle. So a pistol is a rifle. So so see what they've done. Gun parts are firearms. Pistols are rifles. This piece of plastic, <laughs> the bump stock, is a machine gun. And so Mike Cargill said, look, if we can beat just one of these, it will undo the language that created all of these, and we will put the ATF in check. That's why this is so big. Okay, very good. Okay, the, the definition of machine gun. 
The term machine gun, this is from the, uh, the law, uh, means any weapon which shoots, is designed to shoot, or can be readily restored to shoot automatically more than one shot without manual reloading by a single function of the trigger. So now I guess we can turn into, we can put our um, Supreme Court analysis hat on. By the letter of the law, does this bump stock make it so a gun can be readily restored to shoot by the single function of a trigger because you're, you, you yourself physically are only pulling the trigger one time and the gun moves itself essentially? Like, what, what is the letter of the law here? Right now, no, you're still not changing anything. See, uh, anyone who shoots, whether you're shooting a pistol or a long gun, it doesn't matter. This will make sense for you. After you shoot, if you shoot and hold the trigger back, as you release it, you feel that trigger click. And when it clicks, that means it's hit the reset point. At that point, you can pull it again. But that's true with any semi-automatic, long gun or short gun. And so even with a bump stock on, that trigger has to come out far enough in between every shot to reset. So it is never a fully automatic trigger. It, you don't have an automatic sear uh, which is uh, the mechanism between the trigger and the firing pin that controls rate of fire. You don't have an automatic sear in your semi-automatic, so you can't restore it to full automatic. It never was full automatic. All you can do is mimic uh, shots that you fire so quick, Some someone who doesn't know any better might think, hmm, that almost sounds automatic, but it's yeah. not. You're pulling the trigger each time. So it remains a semi-automatic firearm. I got, and let me put a devil's advocate. That's fine and dandy, you gun nut, but it effectively is now the same as a machine gun. Mm, well, no, effectively, effectively it's not. And what it'll do is, uh, see, a lot of people don't know this. If you go back to uh, October 1, 2017, the Las Vegas shooting, uh, that guy, I think, had 23 rifles with him. I may be wrong. He may have had 25, but he had, I believe, 23. And you say, why did he have 23 rifles with him? Well, here's why. Because semi-automatics aren't made to be fired, even in a way that mimics automatics. And so those guns get so hot, they jam up. So what that guy did, because what he's doing basically goes against the nature of the gun and what it's designed for, mm. he's shooting a gun until it gets so red hot, it locks up. Then he throws it down and picks up another and he shoots it until it gets so red hot it locks up, and he throws that down and he picks up another. And that's what I'm saying, because what he's done is he's pushed this gun to the limits because it's not even made in a way that it's intended to, uh, to be fired that fast. It's not a, – a fully automatic weapon has to be designed in a way that it can dissipate heat, uh, that it can tolerate heat. Uh, I mean, the amount of heat generated – in fully automatic fire is unbelievable. The amount of heat wow. that a weapon on a battlefield endures is unbelievable. And that gun is made completely different than a gun that I go buy at Cabela's and I used to shoot tin cans, rabbits, or squirrels. That's such a good point. Um, did he have many bump stocks, that Las Vegas shooter? I don't know how many of those he had, Mike. I'd have to lie on that. But I would assume, if I were a guessing man, I would assume he had gone ahead and put a bump stock that's not something you can do quickly so i would assume he had gone ahead and installed bump stocks on a number of his firearms but here's the other thing go ahead anyone who shot understands this if you shot full automatic too you're giving you're giving up 
you're giving up accuracy. And that's why I began by saying, Mike, this is a novelty. You're giving up accuracy. People who, uh, you know, you know you're dealing with the liberal when they say, well, no, I know what you want to do. You want to you pray and spray. No, you don't want to do that because someone with a semi-automatic shooting on the other side is going to take you out pretty quick. They're going to they're going to be slow and steady, and with one shot, you're done. And that's why you look at our military. We went from guns that were fully automatic in Vietnam to now, if you look what our military gets, the gun has a switch on it, so they can go from semi-automatic to three-round bursts because they figured out if we just go full auto, we're basically wasting ammo. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not no argument the ATF has made. None of their arguments hold water. Well, that's true, what you just said, unless you're firing from the 32nd floor of a hotel into a music festival, which leads me to that question. Our deadliest mass shooting in American history, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know more than me, certainly, uh, we know the least about. What's what's up with that one? Well, I mean, I think this guy just was, you don't want to to give people ideas, uh, but I think this guy did what, Well, I'll just say this. I talk to law enforcement a lot. I'm with law enforcement a lot. And those guys will say to me, we'll talk about a certain crime. And they'll go, oh, that would be easy to get away with as long as you can keep a secret. And uh, they they say as sophisticated as our system is of detection and this and that, this would be easy to get away with. And speaking of a number of different crimes, if you can keep a secret. And I think that's what that attacker was able to do, Mike. He didn't let anybody know this he'd been planning this for who knows how long he didn't let anybody know so no one had any idea that his family thinks he's just going to vegas to gamble because he loves to gamble he has no idea that for this many days or years or months he's been planning to kill people and that's that's the thing for someone like that it's hard to stop them whether you're talking about blowing up a building shooting out a window uh stealing a bus running over people whatever it is if, if you're one of those types of people, very rare person, who can plan and carry that out without letting anyone know, it's hard to stop them. And that, that, that Mike, is one of the greatest arguments against gun control ever because the Democrats put all their eggs in the background check basket. If we had universal background checks, we would all be safe. Well, that's not true because universal background checks look backward. They tell me what your history is. But if you have intentions you haven't shared – no background check will stop you. The only thing that will stop you is if I happen to be in that store or another armed American happens to be in that store and they take you out before you finish doing what you plan to do. That's the only thing that will stop you. Even as it is, unskilled people, uh, half of murders go unsolved, which is pretty unbelievable. Um, all right, one more question about a piece of a gun. Yesterday we were talking to uh, Peter Schweitzer, author of Blood Money. We were talking about China and their involvement, not their involvement, their direct control over every aspect of fentanyl from Wuhan to the murdering of Americans. And China is behind every single step of the whole thing. And he talked about uh, the Glock switch and the importing of a Glock switch, which can turn your, your average Glock into a machine gun or, or automatic fire. What do you know about this right. thing? Well, that's true. That Now, that's true. The Glock switch can turn uh, a Glock into uh, what it does is it affects that sear, and it will you get automatic fire out of a Glock. Uh, with one trigger pull, you can empty a magazine. So that is true. 
Uh, those have been around a long time. Glock actually used to make a fully automatic pistol. It was the Glock Model 18. The Model 17 and Model 19 are super popular with the population right now. Those are semi-automatic. But Glock used to make an 18 that was fully automatic. No and way. what this what this what this switch does is it basically turns a Glock into that Glock 18. And so, uh, but these switches have been a problem a while, and it would be super interesting if it could ever be done. And Peter probably has the information to be the one to trace it down. It'd be great to understand the percentage of Glock switches which are taken in by police, the percentage of those which we believe were supplied by China. Because if you look at cities like Chicago and other cities I cover crime in, the Glock switches are becoming, uh, they're, they're everywhere and those switches pose a problem for police. Should those be illegal? Well, uh, I have a problem. You know, my overarching theory in life is it should be as easy for me to get a gun as it is for the criminal to get a gun. So my uh, my first reaction is never, let me think of what I should and shouldn't regulate. Yep. That being said, uh, I do believe on something like a Glock switch, it wouldn't hurt if we had some way to keep track of them so that we know that 14-year-old gangbangers aren't getting Glock switches. And that's what's happening in Chicago. you got 14-, 15-year-old kids with fully automatic Glocks. And, uh, but, see, no law is going to prevent them from getting that because it's already illegal for them to do that. Yeah, it's already illegal for them to uh, even have a gun under the age of 18. They can't purchase. Uh, there are laws against possession. So who knows how many laws they're already breaking. So I don't know that one more law is going to change anything, no. Mike. Uh, I got one more question for you, AWR, and then we've got to run to uh, Senator Ron Johnson. I'm sure you saw this clip of the political reporter on MSNBC, and I thought of you when she said this. What happened was he was surrounded by this more extremist element. You're going to hear words like Christian nationalism, like the new apostolic Reformation. These are groups that you should get very, uh, very schooled on because they have a lot of power in Trump's circle. And the one thing that unites all of them, because there's many different groups orbiting Trump, but the thing that unites them as Christian nationalists, not Christians, by the way, because Christian nationalists is very different, mm-hmm. is that they believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress. They don't come from the Supreme Court. They come from God. The problem with that. How about that, EWR? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Representative Eli Crane and I discussed that clip in the Breitbart gun video this week. Nice. And I will tell you this. Uh, we both determined that woman has never read Thomas Jefferson because Thomas Jefferson famously wrote that we are endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. And this is something that I take pride in with Breitbart because I believe this message comes through to our readers and it needs to. People cannot be free. They cannot be free, Mike, unless they understand that they were created for freedom. They have to understand that the origin of that hunger for freedom goes beyond government. It was put there by someone other than government. And the rights that they hunger to exercise, those rights were given to them by somebody other than a president or a senator or or a representative. And we have to understand that. Otherwise, We'll be tricked into thinking our rights are up for a majority vote. Mm. What we have to do in a very polite way, a very polite way, we have to let our leaders know, look, there are a lot of things on the table we can discuss, but we're not going to discuss curtailing our rights because you didn't give them to me. So they're not under your purview. 
And that's the lesson this woman doesn't want us to know. We should end on that note, but I forgot to ask you the oral arguments were yesterday for this big case we were just talking about, about the bump stock. Um, wh- where, was pe- where were people leaning? What's the, what's the vibe on it right now? Well, I believe, uh, I believe the left is a little nervous because I read a piece this morning in preparation to be with you where they were talking about how, well, it seems that some of the conservative justices, they actually may be open to, to, uh, to seeing how dangerous the bump stock is and blah, blah, blah. And usually when the left does that, uh, that's like when they put out all these polls. They're trying their best to twist uh, to twist the opinion of the justices. They're not really writing to me. They're trying to put pressure on them. So that makes me think uh, the feel is that this did not go well for the left. And, of course, we'll only know once it's handed down. But uh, I'll be shocked, Mike. I don't know how you can look at a piece of plastic that doesn't have a barrel, a trigger, or an action and call it a machine gun, Mike. I just don't know how you do it. <laughs> well, they could find, as uh, producer Bill just said to me, pistols or rifles, bump stocks or machine guns, uh, war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. Two plus two equals five. Uh, that's the world we live in. AWR Hawkins, the wonderful Breitbart Second Amendment correspondent. AWR, you're the man. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you, Mike. Have a great day, buddy. You too. It's Friday. We have a ton to wrap up. Lots of China talk this week, and I feel like we're just starting to pull back some of the peels on this onion. So we'll do much more of that, and uh, hopefully we get in touch with uh, Mr. Nolte, as I love to talk to him on Fridays as well. We'll see you then. Mike Slater, Breitbart News Daily. Spread the word. Spread the word.